The Coonhound Collective Podcast is brought to you by CZ Welding and Custom Dog Boxes. Dog boxes built by hunters for hunters. Check these guys out today. This is your host, Jason Snurgrove, and I will be your guide as we journey down the road to pleasure hunt or hitting the long trail to those great cop hunts. This is the Coonhound Collective Welcome to the Coonhound Collective Podcast this week. This week I had the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Seth Ish. Mr. Seth, how's it going? Good. How about you? Oh, pretty good, man. I uh, appreciate you taking the time to uh, to jump on here with me today and and talk some English dogs with us. Uh, won't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of where you're from, for, for people that might not know the name. It's kind of hard to believe that somebody wouldn't know your name, but if they don't know who you are and where you're from, kind of share that with us. Yeah, well, I appreciate the invite to be on here. Um, Seth Ish, I'm 43. Uh, I've lived in Northeast Indiana, just south of Fort Wayne, Indiana, my whole life. Um, live on a, uh, we got 33 acres here. Uh, been married for 17 years. Uh, got two kids. Izzy and Eli, Izzy's 14 and Eli's nine. Um, they both coon hunt and heavily involved in sports and, uh, keeping us busy. Yeah, it sounds like it. I, I know I see on your Facebook uh, some pictures with uh, Izzy and Eli and them with some dogs. And so it, between sports and probably some coon hunting, you probably stay pretty wrapped up. All the time. <laughs> yep. Coon hunting, deer hunting, everything. Yep. Yeah. And all, every sport you could think of. Yeah, our kids are, um, my, my daughter's uh, volleyball season starts next week. And it is one game after another. I, I told my daughter, I said, you know, I don't really need anything to do. I've got plenty to do, but holy cow. Yeah, we, Izzy started volleyball. Uh, games started last night, so and she still has softball going on. So, yeah, it's pretty swamped right now. Eli's a little on the downward, you know, baseball wrapped up. And so, yep, school for both of them and, and still still plugging along with these dogs. Yeah, that's that's awesome that y'all are in, involved like that, and and then y'all still taking time to to keep a hound in the woods for sure. That's that's awesome. Um, well, yep. won't you start us off with with kind of uh, some history on uh, the Red Ruby Hard Time Kennels and kind of how that got started in your foundation dogs there? Yeah. Um, so my uncle he. Uh, he kind of started the the name Red Ruby um, back. Oh, I'm gonna say about that was probably 1988. Um, a buddy of mine bred a female. Um, she would have went back to like Hard Time Spec, Bates Blue Cash, um, you know the old old school uh, foundation dogs, um, and bred her to uh, been like a litter mate to Blue Boy Red. Um, my dad got one of those pups um, from the first litter and uh, the guy that had the female, he kept one. And then they made that cross again the very next year. And um, my uncle, Jeff Cook, he, he got one and uh, he named his Red Ruby Rex and uh, uh, hunted with him for many, many years. Um, and uh, so then Jeff 
my uncle got married and had kids and he kind of went out of hunting. And, um, so at that time, you know, I'd, you know, gotten Pearl and she was off a of hard time Moses. I thought, you know, to carry the red Ruby name on, I'll just add hard time with it. So that's how I come up with, uh, red Ruby hard time kennels. Um, and we'll go back a little bit. I'm thinking it was, uh, Ringo was born, I think in 1996 and I got him. I think he was, a, a just a little under two, um, uncle was building a house and just wasn't the time for him to coon hunt and had a chance to buy Ringo and, and, uh, I'd hunted with him when he was, uh, witnessed him, Jeff turning him loose at four months old and, uh, him running and treeing four single coon in the wild. It was pretty amazing. And, uh, I'd never seen anything like it ever. And, uh, so when I had a chance to buy him, you know, I, I jumped all over and, uh, I'd, you know, hunted Walker dogs and, you know, uh, I think I even had a black and tan there a little while. It seemed like everything was going wrong. I could go wrong, you know, before Ringo get between, you know, just accidents with the dogs getting hit on the road and, so I went a different route and uh, went back to the same blood that, you know, English hounds. We've had that since 1987 on that side with Ringo's blood. And, uh, man, he just right away, you know, he, he, he had just made him a night champ when I bought him. And then, you know, I just continued on right away. Me and him started winning. And uh, he was uh, he was a very high-scoring dog. I mean, he just always, he was just so fast, you know, um, you cut him, he was all heart. Uh, you cut him, he was going to be treed somewhere, did not matter where. I mean, he was obsessed with coon. I mean, he just wanted to do that, you know, so fast all the time, you know, always by himself, somewhere in the world split. Um, he, uh, he definitely taught me where to keep my standard at as far as what a coon hound should be the pleasure hunt with and competition hunt. Cause I like to do both with my hounds and, uh, he definitely set that standard and, uh, still does today. Um, I still carry a very high standard. I expect probably way, may way more than I should out of them, but, uh, I don't think that'll ever change. Yeah. Um, before you move on there from, from Ringo's mm-hmm. and this is something we had talked about before we hit record here, you know, obviously, you know, through the, through the years from, from Ringo to today, you, you've had, you've had and handled some pretty successful, uh, English hounds. And, and you talked about their using Ringo as, you know, some, something kind of like what you would set the bar for, for your other hounds. But between Ringo, Charlie seven, Crow, Hoss, Pearl, surely, you know, from the outside looking in, we look at it and we think, man, this, this guy, he, he's, you know, he, he's on a roll here. He's, he has all these hounds. It just comes easy for him. Surely there's been some, some other stuff in between there that didn't work out. And, and what, what was the trials with that to, to get to those quality hounds that you were looking for to put you in the winter circle? Hey guys, this is Jason over at the Coonhound Collective Podcast. Is your dog box starting to get war? Maybe it's starting to get a little crack like mine is. Maybe you've just been thinking about it's time to upgrade to a to a new box, but you've asked your buddies and you're just not real sure what direction to go in. Well, let me help you out here. Go check my friends out at CZ Welding and Fabrication 
custom doll boxes, and aluminum products on Facebook. You can check out all their custom work they do there and their designs that they do. If you don't see something that you don't exactly like there, reach out to Nathan at 540-810-5439, 540-810-5439, or send him a message through the Facebook page. I bet he can fix you up. Don't wait till fall to get that new doll box. Go ahead, get that doll box now. Get you uh, get you something looking good in the back of your truck that, that you can be proud of and that you can haul your dog around in comfort. Check my friends out at CZ Welding and Fabrication. You won't go wrong. Dog boxes built by hunters for hunters. Get yours today. CZ Welding and Fabrication. Yeah, I mean, really, it was <clears throat> it was all before, you know, before I got in Ringo. You know, like I said, you know, I'd go on these hunts. Didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I'd went along with my dad. He would always, you know, take me and, and uh, so I was trying to learn there. Then my uncle Jeff would take me along, and then, you know, Jeff kind of started putting me on my own, and I wasn't winning. You know, I didn't wasn't packing a good enough hound at the time. You know, and and uh, so then, you know, like I said, everything you know, I think everything happens for a reason. You know, and when all the accidents happened with the other dogs, you know, I was able to to get Ringo, and um, you know, took him on. Was I mean, winning everything and you know, didn't know, you know, pretty green, you know, and here we make it to the world hunt. And, uh, you know, I qualified him at Columbia city, Indiana. I think there were 72 dogs there. And I think he had like 1225 plus no minus. And it was one of the worst, nastiest rain thunderstorms you could ever imagine. And I mean, he just blew him away. And, uh, so me and my dad decided we're going to haul him to, to Missouri I think it's Palmer or something like that, Missouri for the, for the zones. And, uh, we go out there and end up with a double cast win. And, uh, that brought us back to Columbia city. Still, you know, Greenhorn didn't really have any idea, you know, how big time that was back then, you know, to make it that far. And he just kept winning and winning and we made it all the way into the top 20 and end up getting ninth and, uh, you know, that just set the fire under me, you know, to continue. And uh, I have not won the world hunt yet. But that's still one of my goals, that or produce a hound that wins it. And uh, we've been close many, many times. But uh, just, you know, I'm thankful for everything that, you know, I've gotten to as far as the world hunt. And if I would never would win it, you know, I I could say I've knocked on the door many times. But uh, it's, it's that part has been a blast. Very nerve-wracking. Uh, a lot of time and and uh not much sleep and uh goes into that and uh and if you don't do that you're not going to get very far yeah it definitely i i interviewed lane denny and he he talked about you know they have camps for as we talked about our kids being involved in sports they have camps for different you know athletics that they have in high school to get young kids ready and it's really no different with you know coon hunting we we have to get ourselves ready as a handler um but you know we also got to put that dog through the paces and uh you know i I shared with you a hunt i had you know with uh, against brandon Gaines uh, and his diesel dog and and i think he has got some pretty decent dogs over there and that was one of the reasons i wanted to do it i have a have a new dog that i'm hunting there that goes back to some of your breeding with Charlie seven and Pearl and, 
and and Hoss there, and um, you know, I, I, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to see where I was at, where he was at. Um, you know, I think think that's important when we're getting dogs ready for competition hunting. We, you know, you can go out and pleasure hunting tree coons, but it's a whole other ball game when you line strange dogs up beside each other. Yep. Well, um, let's uh, let let's go ahead from from Ringo and let's talk about you know Pearl and and some of these other dogs that that you've had there. Yeah, um, Pearl. Uh, I first got her. Um, I think what year that was? It was two thousand and two. Um, she come out of Georgia, South Carolina, Georgia area. Um, I'd actually bought two dogs at the time and Pearl wasn't even the dog I really wanted. It was another female that had won English days one year and got home and started hunting them and wasn't really liking the, the female won English days. So I kind of started hunting Pearl and it took her, her a little while to transition from South to up here. Um, but I'm going to say a good month. And I mean, there was times it was pretty trying <laughs> and, uh, we had a lot of, a lot of disagreements and, uh, she finally came to my way of thinking and, uh, started seeing, you know, better and better each, each night, you know, and, and just so independent. I mean, she just wanted to be alone, you know, and, uh, no trash, uh, she didn't have, she did not have a good mouth. Um, she was chopped on the ground. She'd come on with a long triple chop locate and kind of like a double chop at the end. When you heard that double chop, it's over, done. Nice tree dog. Um, nothing flashy at all. Um, but she was going to have a coon and be by herself every time you cut her. And, you know, if they made a mistake, you know, they was done. So, I, uh, you know, started carrying her to these hunts and stuff and, uh, she, uh, just started winning right away and, uh, went on, made her night champion and, um, uh, granted her out and qualified her for the world. And she, uh, she got right in there the first year. I think it was Oh five, uh, got her all the way through and, uh, was that, uh, the finals was at Portland and she made it down and, and ended up getting eighth and got world champion English, got world champion female. And then, uh, she had won, you know, some different hunts and stuff, but we decided to raise a litter off of her and we bred her to, uh, Charlie seven. We'd got him in the meantime and me and Sean, my brother bought Charlie together. And I thought, man, that they would just compliment each other so well. I thought, you know, with, he had a really good mouth. She didn't have much mouth. They were both very independent. They both liked to have them coon. And I just, you know, just thought they would work well. So I made the cross, you know, didn't, wasn't expecting what we got. And, uh, but that, that cross just caught fire. I mean, just, they was, they was just amazing. And, uh, so I continued to hunt her and, uh, went the next year right back to the world hunt, you know, bound to determine. And, uh, I don't remember where the zones was at, but I remember, uh, we went to, uh, Tennessee for the finals and ended up being, uh, I think we got 12th and got world champion female, world champion English again, back to back years. 
Um, and then uh, 07, got to the zones, and or right before the zones, and she came in heat on me. Uh, so that was that. And uh, bred her again to Charlie 7, and same thing. I mean, it was just they were freaks. Um, and seen right then, you know, she was going to be pretty dominating. And, you know, we've already seen the results from Charlie on his pups and then having this cross. And uh, we went to Walker Days with her. Um, and she she got in down there, scored like eight-something. Um, went to English Days with her. Uh, won the Invitational with her down there. Um, and uh, qualified her for the world. And she was... I think she was probably around eight and uh, somewhere in there coming eight. And uh, she just, same thing, you know, just clicking away. We made it to uh, Illinois. I think it was Elizabeth, Illinois or something like that to the finals. And uh, she ended up getting in the top, in the final four there. And uh, we ended up getting third, but had a good run. And uh, I retired her, you know, after that. And uh, she was, you know, hunting her in all these hunts and breeding her to Charlie twice and bred her, made a half-brother, half-sister cross with the Stone Cold Harley dog. You know, I always thought that was pretty amazing with her to win like she was winning and raising pups and being number one on the reproducers list, number one on the female performance part of it. Uh, I just thought that always just stood out you know that was pretty amazing for me to be able to to do that with her uh she was she was a lot of fun uh met a lot of people through her um and all of them i mean it's <laughs> been pretty crazy yeah well I, i'm i'm gonna just be the first to say to place a dog that high three times in the in the world that's that's pretty impressive and then you know i i failed to mention this at the beginning you were on with uh the Houndsman XP, uh, I think it's episode 51, uh, for anybody who wants to go back and listen to that, and you were talking about those uh, pups out of Charlie 7 and her, and the percentage rate that actually turned out to be dogs was, was pretty amazing com- compared to what usual you know litters turn out. Um, so after... I guess after her, did you go to hunting Charlie Seven more, or was there something else in there that you were already messing with? Maybe a pup out of her and Charlie, or how did that work? Yeah, um, I was still hunting Charlie. Uh, we was hunting him through all this. You know, we uh, done quite a bit of winning with him too. Um, and you could breed him to a female that day and go to a hunt that night. Um, I, I bred two females to him in English days. Uh, I think it was '06. Um, but two females that day and won the invitational with him that night and won grand nights that night. It didn't, didn't phase him. I mean, and I like that. I mean, you don't have to worry, you know, didn't have to worry about him. He just he had one thing on his mind. Um, and you said it earlier before we started this, you know, you, you, your dog, you think you could be a female in heat and he'd just go tree coon. And that's, that's how seven was. It didn't, didn't matter to him. He had one thing on his mind when it was dark and that was, you know, tree coon. And, uh, but yeah, uh, we bred, uh, I kept, a. I have two brothers, Scott and Sean. Um, I kept a female, her name was chick. Sean kept a male named Hoss and, um, 
my brother Scott kept one. His name was Hobie. And a buddy of mine kept one. His name was Bo. And another buddy of mine kept one named Pepper. Um, and then there was Glass um, that David James owned. I'm probably going to miss some here um, from that first cross. But um, Rusty, um, Jim Johnson, a buddy of ours, he made the cross that produced my Ringo dog's dad. He bought one. And uh, all of them, I mean, six, seven months old, I mean, you cut them. They was trained coon by herself. I mean, show them a couple cage coon, turn them loose in the daytime, start hunting the night, and they just they just did it. I mean, it was uh, pretty fascinating, really. Um, but Rusty, uh, owned by Jim Johnson, my brother started uh, took him to some hunts. He was like ten, eleven months old, and he night championed him out past. And then he started on hoss, and uh, you know I was hunting chick and uh, just. You know, had her night champion quick. I think she was grand night by the time she was two. Uh, Hobie needed like five points. That was my brother Scott's dog to be night champion, and he got hit on the road. So didn't get to finish him. Um, the bow dog that my buddy Tony had, uh, we ended up getting him back. Um, he had, I think, two first place wins on him, and we made him uh, night champion. And we actually sold him to my dad, and he took him and granted him out and won a ton with him. Um, and Sean granted Hoss out quick. I mean, it was just like, one, you know, it was all at the same time, just one after another. And uh, Glass, uh, Pepper, my buddy Pete had her, Pete Cross. She won the Invitational, won several big hunts for Pete. And, uh, you know, you could just see the writing on the wall. That was going to be a pretty amazing cross. Uh, so we did that cross again that produced uh you know more uh my buddy steve dayton in new york he had one named mini pearl that i had sold him i think she was about four months old and he won a ton of stuff up there with her but uh chick was where i put my time into um and was at a hunt in english days she was pretty young and was winning the cast in a female they were split the female left the tree and come down her and just mauled her i mean just annihilated her she was still, you'd go pleasure hunting, she would still treat a pile coon, but she was never the same in a hunt. And uh, so about that time, I put her up for sale because I had another one coming on. Uh, her name was Susie. I named her Red Ruby Susie. And uh, she would have been directly off of Charlie Seven and um, a female off of Ringo. And... Uh, you know, she just started very young also, you know, about six months old. I was cutting her by herself. She was tree and coon. She was super fast. And uh, so I hunted her until she was probably 10 months old alone, put her down with something. I mean, she just blew them out of the water. And uh, she she was grand before she was two. But, I mean, she was just on a whole nother level than anything else. Um, she was, her and Ringo were so much alike. Um, very, very competitive, you know, going to be alone, have them coon. It's just, she was just so fast. I mean, just, she would treat, you know, and she's not one of them just because she's dead. You know, she's not getting better. She was just good before. Uh, no trash ever. I mean, she just treated them coon. But I placed her world hunt a couple different times. She was world champion female once. Um, 
got in the top 20 with her once or twice. Uh, but a biggie was I took her to Walker Days, and she scored like 1,500 on Friday night. And she had a 1,000 plus with an hour left. And it was just a kind of a rainy night. Uh, she loved that weather like that, a little bit of a breeze and two were stirred, you know, and everybody withdrew. So I left an hour. So I had to go back to the satellite club, get a non-hunting judge, come back out. And she scored 500. I, I don't remember what it was. I think it was 1500 total, but, um, went back Saturday night. It was like the same exact thing happened. Uh, she had a thousand with like an hour left and, Two guys withdrew. Another guy says, hey, I'm going to stay and hunt just in case she'd tree a possum. And uh, I think she ended up with like 1625, no circle, no minus. She didn't have any. And so she had like 3,100 points in two nights. And uh, that was always a biggie for me. And that's always just kind of, you know, that just impressed me that, you know, no leaves on, no nothing, you know, and she just, uh, she just knew how to win. She knew what to do, you know to get it done yeah when them, but, uh, when them leaves are off that's gonna that's gonna separate the coon dogs from the treeers that's for sure <laughs> that, yeah exactly yep yeah that's that's pretty, uh, pretty impressive yeah uh she's been gone now a couple of years um i buried her here at my place under the last tree she treated a tree to coon kids were with me and she treated a coon over there and wasn't shortly after that um uh, she ended up went downhill pretty fast and so I told him, I said, well, let's just bury it underneath that, that tree over there by the woods where she treated that coon. So that's, that's where she lays. So, uh, but yeah, that, she was fun. I mean, every, you know, everybody knew her. She, uh, just, just a blast to hunt. And if you didn't want to go hunting, like they always say, you didn't want to turn her loose because you was going to pull her off the coon somewhere. And there was nights where. I remember when Izzy was little, she used to hate going with her, you know, because she'd have to walk so far. But the older she got, when the coon weren't moving, if you didn't have Susie along, you know, and you wasn't doing much good, she'd be like, can we go home and get Susie? <laughs> so I'd always slide back home, pick her up, because you just knew she'd be treated somewhere with a coon. So, but, yeah. that's uh, And that's important with those. I, I know with, with young kids, I kind of burnt my two out when they were younger, you know, training puppies and that can be a frustrating time for, for young kids. Cause they want to see game in the tree and, you know, that's always important, but, um, you touched on something there and you were talking about, um, those litters out of Charlie and Pearl and bringing us up to Susie there. And man, you know, a lot of times, you know, I, I think, um, I'm not no breeder by no means, but just hearing people talk some litters, just have it natural and some litters have it natural, but not putting, not putting to the, the right hands to be hunting. It sounds like you got a good um, group of friends and family there around you that, that really helps um, produce some of those hounds out of those litters. It just, it takes a, you know, a village really to, to get those, get those things up and going and hunting when, when you have, you know, several that you're trying to push there. And, you know, I, to me, that just seems like an important an important part of the story of of those people getting out and pushing those pushing those dogs, pushing those puppies, and and really making them something. 
Yeah, yeah, you're 100 percent right. Um, you can't do everything by yourself. I mean, there's there's no possible way. Um, seen that, you know, when we had Charlie and Pearl, you know, like I touched on earlier, you know, everybody that got one of them, you know, they just guys start taking them to hunts, you know, and they was just winning at a very young age. Well, then other people would see that and they call up, hey, you gonna you gonna make that cross again, <laughs> you know, and and uh, and even you know with Hoss, Hoss was kind of fluke thing really you know as far as breeding wise um ron k brought k's red lady she was number one for a long time um and uh but before she was number one he come up to breed her to charlie seven and i told him i said man he's 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 getting pretty crippled up you know he's i don't know if he can get the job done i said this depends on the day you know and he come up it was just one of them days where you know his days were numbered and you know, just wasn't his day to get it done. And I said, look, we've bred Hoss one time and, and it was kind of weird because the guy that bred the Hoss ended up having a heart attack and he called me. He's like, Hey, I got like, it was eight pups. He's like, you know, if you want them, bring me 800 bucks. So I went over, you know, bought them and brought them home and kind of just placed them pups, you know, to people. And same thing. It was kind of like the Charlie and Pearl cross. It was just like, man, every one of them just, it was just crazy, and uh, I think I, so. I told Ron Kay, I said, "Man, you need to try." I said, uh, "I think you'll like what you get." I said, "We've only made one cross with him, but I said, I think it'll work." And man, he bred her okay's red lady to to Hoss, and that right there was another one that just was really, really good. Very uh, so many of them titled uh, out of that cross, and. Right there, the writing was on the wall that Hoss was a, definitely a combination of Charlie and Pearl. He was a freak. I mean, you could breed it. You could breed anything to him. I think you could breed a poodle to him and, and get a winner out of it. But uh, <clears throat> that right there was whenever you really we really seen that people would join in. You know, they wanted part of that. You know, the, the kennel and uh, they seen how easy the pups started and, and – uh, because nobody really wants a pup that's hard to train. <laughs> I know I don't. I'm pretty impatient. Yeah, I so, mean, I, I, but, uh, the older I've got, I've gotten pretty impatient myself. I, so I completely understand for sure. Yeah, and and it was just like cross after cross after cross with him. I mean, they was tree dogs. They was independent. They was a competition dog. I mean, they just, they was going to be alone. And, you know, you could hear them. And like I said, I mean, when they was treed, everybody knew they was treed. And uh, Roger Gieseman, Pete Cross, uh, I mean, uh, when Crow was out of him, I mean, there was there was just one after another. And you know, he's he's on the him and Charlie are both back to back on the on the uh, historical reproducers list. But Hoss was number one on the current, you know, for a long time. I think Charlie was number three. Pearl was one on both. Um, but, you know, he, he ended up with only 250 pups because he just couldn't, we couldn't keep him healthy. Um, he just, you know, he had prostate problems and, you know, we we got a little bit collected off of him, but I think there's only like four breedings. <clears throat> um, and I'm hoping to use one of those this fall. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he was just, just a freak, but, you know, to go on a little bit, he, uh, got to the point where 
he was done, you know, uh, his health just went downhill. And, uh, so we kind of started looking for a replacement and Joe Levan from Ohio, he had crow, which we'd already owned crow once, but Haas was, you know, producing them so fast that, you know, we didn't really need crow at the time. So we, we moved him on and Joe, you know, continued winning with him. Um, so ended up getting with, back with Joe and ended up buying crow back, uh, to kind of replace Haas. And man, <laughs> we just went to winning and that dude right there, he, he really done well for us. Um, got in the world with him, world champion male, um, Long story short, uh, Brad McDaniel, he kind of started in on, on us about him, and he ended up purchasing him and went from nothing to a uh, platinum champion in, in no time. And I, I think Haas is still the only English male to produce two platinum champions. Uh, one would be uh, Red Ruby Hardtime Dot. The other one would be Red Ruby Hardtime Crow. Um, Dot was off of... Uh, Hoss and Sean had a female named uh, Isha Sting and B and B went back to Joe Summers dogs. Uh, I think Joe was in Tennessee. Uh, those went all back to the junior breeding and stuff like that, that I like so well. And, uh, anything with, with junior and hard time spec and them dogs, it's, it's just worked re- really well for us. So we try to kind of stick with that, but, Dot, same thing. I mean, Sean was hunting her alone, you know, at five months old. And, I mean, she just trained coon in the wild. Um, and the thing with B in that cross was we bred her to Ringo. We bred her to Charlie Seven and really didn't get anything. And, you know, not really that counted for much. So I told Sean, I said, well, let's try it one more time. Let's breed her to, to Hoss. And she had two pups. And Jeremy Twig was his friends with us, and Sean gave him a pup, and Sean kept Dot. Jeremy called one night and said, hey, my pup treated coon tonight. He was right at five months old. Sean took Dot the next night, you know, alone. She treated coon, and, I mean, them two went boom right to winning, and Jeremy's dog ended up getting hit on the road. And um, we granted Dot out. You know, she'd won at Walker Days, and I think at Blue Tick Days, and – uh, one at Autumn Oaks, um, and uh, somebody just offered too much money, and and uh, but I I feel like both of those went when they needed to. You know, we was done with them, and they went on to continue to win in, in PKC and and earn that big money fast, and uh, you know they they done well with them. So, but yeah, Haas was just pretty amazing. I think he only had like 250 pups, and I. I don't remember if his percentage was like 46 or 48 percent. I'd have to go look at the book, but it was pretty high, pretty high for for uh, for a hound. Yeah, real real quick before we before we move on, I, something I did want to touch on, and you you brought it up there about having him collected. Um, you know, I, I've heard a couple of podcasts, I've talked to a couple of guys, and some people are big big on having dogs collected, other people are are not, and and you know they say, hey from the time I started to where I'm at today, my breeding program's gotten better and I have the line out there. I had about all of my dogs. And obviously with the success that y'all have had with the breeding, your, you, 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 your breeding program is, you know, you've got that blood in there, but 
um, it, how important it is to you to, to have those special dogs uh, collected and to be able to reuse that later to, to reintroduce that into your breeding program? Are you looking for a hound that is producing winning puppies? One that is throwing proven winners? Then look no further than Grand Knight Champion. Champion, Silver Champion Stylish Bushwhacker. His pups have earned $450,000 in PKC and $80,000 in Pro Sport. He is a PKC Super Stake and UKC Performance Sire and number three on UKC Current Reproducer list. He is throwing hard going, hard treeing, get in there, get it done tree dogs. If interested in breeding to Bushwhacker, contact Justin Davenport on Facebook or at 954-614-8138. Bushwhacker is located in Fredericksburg in chilled or live breeding. I'm lucky, you know, Dean Feitzel was close. You know, he was an hour from me. So if we had a male here, I was going to slide over to Dean's, you know, and get it, get it collected. You know, just someone was a little younger, but I thought, hey, it don't hurt later on. You know, you never know. You might have something special. Um, so I pretty much had everything that we've had collected. You know, the uh, dog I didn't mention was Ranger. I've had him done. Ringo, Charlie, Bo, Hoss, uh, Dino, Buck. Um I hope I said crow, but uh, pretty much everything I've ever had, you know, that, that was on this line here, I had done, um, and even some of them that wasn't. And then I've bought some outside scene, but honestly, I've uh, I pretty much sold uh, most of ours except the main base that I, you know, consider ours. You know, I've, I've kept that, and I am going to keep, you know, there's certain females that are like, man, I just, I think those would cross really good together. You know, I'd like to try that from back in the day, so. Um, that's like Izzy's female. She's hunting right now. Is off hard time. Awesome, pretty nice female. Izzy's done well with her. Um, I just think either one, her or Charlie, would cross. You know, Hoss or Charlie would cross really well with her. Um, and I just these dogs off a of Hoss. You know, they're they're getting to that age where, you know, I think Eli has the last uh, was well, the female. I think off the last litter from Charlie, she's eight and a half. You know, it's about time, you know, if I want to keep it going again, you know, to maybe make a cross and uh, hopefully get some pups to bring that back on and then outcross it onto something else um, that's reproducers and winners. Um, Izzy's females off hard time awesome. I mean, he was world champion and, and uh, you know, just a good reproducer. So, Adding that in on Hoss or Charlie, um, I don't see why it wouldn't benefit us to continue on. Um, I think if this breed wants to to be at a top level, you're gonna we're gonna have to try to work together and mix some lines up and not keep repeating the same crosses over and over. Um, I see that happening a lot, not saying that they're bad crosses, but if we're not in the finals of the world hunt or not in at autumn Oaks or, you know, different stuff, 
we need to try something different. Uh, there's a lot of jealousy that goes on. I know it gets touched on on a lot of podcasts. Um, but this breed, I feel, is is that part's not good, and 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 it don't that don't mix well. Um, you got to try to work together, and especially if we want to try to go above and beyond, you know. And, and not saying we're going to take overtake the walkers or this or that, but to be able to compete with them as far as on a top level, you know, we need to work together. Um, but back to the frozen semen. Yeah, I, I pretty much now I've got my basic dogs, Hoss, Charlie, Ringo, uh, Bo, Ranger, and that's what I'll use in the future. Um, you know, I don't have a stud dog here right now. Um, if the right one come along, you know, that I thought would really complement what we've got here or w- what I think we could use in the future. Yeah, I'll, I'll snag him up in a heartbeat. I've looked at several. Uh, haven't pulled the trigger on one yet, but um, – but as of right now here, you know, I'm kind of leaning at least one or two uh, frozen semen crosses here, hopefully this fall, um, and uh, just keep rolling along. Yeah, well, and, you know, I, I see what those guys are saying, but in my mind I've also thought, you know, hey, like in your situation you're to the point where you don't have a stud dog there, but you do because you, you do still have those breedings available to you there. And you have some nice females there that you can breed. And I know some guys, um, Brett Stevens, uh, for one, that is a big-time female guy. That's what he prefers. Uh, He does have the loner dog right now that that he's hunting. But he's he's got some nice females and had some nice females there. And, you know, to me, I think it's just important – to be able to go back and put, put some of that in a little closer and kind of tighten it up. And then, like you said, when you need to outcross, you outcross. And something else you touched on there that I think is very important, and it's no no secret, when you pull up at a hunt, there's majority of walker dogs there um, for sure. And, you know, when you – Sunday, you're, you're clicking through the Internet or whatever in the final fours on PKC and stuff like that, you're seeing a lot of walker dogs there. And um, – you know, I, I think as as an English breed or, or any breed for that matter, you got to be willing to work with people and maybe work with people that you don't necessarily get along with. But what's the betterment for for your kennel and for the breed? Um, you know, out there. Yes, I agree, and I hear it over and over with the Walker guys. They'll draw each other on Friday night and want to kill each other and can't get along. Saturday, their female comes in heat and they're calling this guy up saying, "Hey, you know, like what I seen. You know, I want to, you know." they just kind of forget about the past there and, and roll on, you know, and, and make that cross. And, uh, I think we need to, you know, just try a little harder on that and, and try to work together. Uh, I know Ed Bates, I talked to him a good bit, just, I think the world of him. Um, and he's really, he's really worried. Um, he, he talks, you know, he talked about that a lot and, uh, we just need to work together and, and, uh, get this breed. I'm not saying it's down, but, I don't think it's where it needs to be. Um, I think we need to, to be better and do better. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, but, you know, you was talking about semen crosses, you know, it was years ago. I bought, I don't know, probably 10 years ago. I, I bought some, uh, frozen semen off a of dark shadow tap twister. Don't know why. I just, I always remember when I was young, semen in the book, you know, had to have it. So, uh, made a cross and, uh, cause I thought the female, and that bloodline and what she offered, you know, I didn't really know much about tap twister, did a little research on him. I thought, Hey, you know, so 
I called Tim Rhodes, a buddy of mine, and uh, he, Tim actually owns the hard time buck dog that I own. Um, he owns him now, and, and Buck has done really well. Uh, did a lot of winning, but done really well in the stud pin. But, uh, so I leased Buck's mom, who was off of Charlie 7, and on the bottom side, she's hard time Moses. So, you know, kind of Pearl's blood, you know, the Moses. And then, you know, I'm thinking, hey, with Charlie, that mixed really well. Uh, we'll just try it and see. Well, long story short, made that cross. And then you got the Woody dog from down south. And then James Jones owns the Tap Twister dog here in Ohio. And that, you know, that dog's thrown some pretty nice hounds. So it's just nice to see something you do still showing up, you know, to um, showing up, you know, as far as these pups winning. And, you know, I had a little bit to do with it. You know, I'm not saying I had everything to do, but, you know, it just felt, it feels good. Just like when you see these dogs on the, reproducers list you know bucks on there crows on there john nabathis uh eddie lemon owned him thought the world of him uh he passed away here a year or so ago um but you know it's just it does you good to see the time uh and what i love to do i love to kuna i love to uh make crosses with these dogs and see them later on down the road uh winning and uh people getting to enjoy them um so yeah we just need to work together yeah i man i I couldn't agree more you know sometimes you just gotta let bygones be bygones and and look at the hound um you know what what, what's the hound it ain't about the person the hound's out there one performing the person's just just calling if that hound can better better your breeding program you just gotta kind of overlook the person and, and worry, worry about what it can do to, to help your breeding program and the breed itself, you know, for sure. So, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't have, couldn't have said that more better than, than what you did. Um, so, uh, before we move off the semen, it, so what you have, you're keeping, or do you have semen available for the public or available for the right female or just no straight out because you may get that uh, question I, from this probably none from hoss there's just not enough like i've got four you know i would i would talk to somebody you know if they called about charlie you know if a female was getting ready to come in heat that they wanted to breed right away you know i, I don't i've sold some of it you know but um really wouldn't be interested in selling it you know just, just to see it set for several years yeah i'm going to keep some you know for my kids and stuff so they can you know, use it later on also. Um, but, uh, but yeah, as of right now, I don't keep what I, what I got. Yeah. Okay. Well, that just answers that question that way, you know, people want to contact you, they can contact you and kind of know <laughs> what to expect. So, um, yeah, yeah. so, uh, we talked about crow there. So where, where, where are you at between crow and where we're at today? Oh, well, I had uh buck. Um, he was off of, uh, main street dino that we had um we we had a lot of good success with dino um he just got some age on him and i had buck at the time so kim stratton wanted him moved him on um and then uh we had uh was you know breeding buck and crow quite a bit there they was they was keeping busy and uh and then uh, brad mcdaniel bought crow and tim rhodes bought buck and was kind of without as far as uh male dogs so 
you know, just continued hunting, you know, what we had at the time for females and, and, uh, uh, Izzy bought, uh, bought the hard time Cooper dog. He was off a buck and, uh, and her Lucy female, forgot about Lucy. Uh, she was off a hoss. Um, Izzy had bought her from Brent Moss, real good friend of mine from Tennessee and, uh, good good learning you know female good izzy you know learned a lot um uh, from her and and uh but she was ready to move on to a male and, and just try something different so we actually sent her back to brent's and she's still alive today she's oh, she's 11 but uh running loose there in the mountains and uh so izzy done some winning there with with cooper and uh i uh now i back up a little bit i was hunting um I was wrong. I was hunting um, uh, Ohio Warhawk. Uh, we bought him. He would be right off of uh, Hard Time Awesome, and he'd be a great grandpa to Charlie Seven on the bottom, and and then he would also show Pearl's mom, Okanee River Queen. So when I seen Charlie and Queen all at the bottom, I thought, man, I I think I can squeeze him in here. So <laughs> we uh, he'd already got in the top 20 at the world hunt the year before and then we bought him and uh was breeding some females to him uh and then uh got him in at oaks that year got in the final you know got in the final four with him and uh he uh we did some winning with him bred some females to him and Tim bolden had to have him so he bought him actually bought him the night we were supposed to go in the final four he bought him and then uh let us handle him and uh and then, uh, so when he, when he left, that's when Izzy bought Cooper. And so got past that and, uh, we, uh, still got, or she ended up buying Lexus. Uh, Lexus is off a hard time. Awesome. And, uh, she was at Heath Robertson, Heath Robertson's house and, uh, Heath boy was having some health issues. So, uh, Lex had been standing and, uh, I told Izzy, I said, I think you need to check her out. I knew she had done a good bit of winning um, when she was younger and watched a lot of videos on Facebook of her, you know, no leaves on, nasty nights, tree and coons, and kind of dogs I like. And I told Izzy, I said, you know, I think I'm going to call. So I called, and he's just a super nice guy. And he's like, look, I'm not hunting. Take her home. Hunt her as long as you want. Make sure Izzy's happy. And uh, brought her home and... I think we had her in like five weeks. I finally called him up. You know, we used to text him back and forth. I called him up, so I just consider her sold. And Izzy and her have went, you know, I've kind of taken, you know, a little bit of a back seat just to kind of let her, you know, kind of, I want to say, teach her a little, you know, kind of mentor her and let the dog kind of teach her also. Uh, she wants some hunts with Cooper. Um, but her and Lexus just, really seemed to bond um and she'll hunt for anybody but i told izzy i said i i've always liked hunting a female better um i said i feel like once you have a good female i said it, it's hard to go back um i said i don't know there's just something there but those two they just they just uh they work well together uh, i mean her went hunt one night she said well, i want to take my four wheeler i said all right so I took uh, my four wheeler. She takes her because you know hers. I knew our dog wasn't going to be together, and uh, um, I had the dog box on. No, I had the ranger because I had the dog box in the back, and uh, 
So I had to drive down this long lane and get mine. They was split, you know, quarter mile apart. And uh, she went one way and I went the other. I said, well, I'll come back around and pick you up and get your dog and everything. Well, she had about a half mile drive back this lane on her four-wheeler. Well, when they come out or when she come out here, she was sitting in the side ditch and the dog was standing on the back rack, you know, wasn't tied up or nothing. And, you know, I just, I like to see that, you know, a dog with brains and, and, you know, she likes Izzy and Izzy likes her. And, uh, she, uh, I think she'll continue. She's six now, but you know, she's got plenty of life left in her. She's a coon treer. Um, yeah, nothing flashy, uh, just does her job and, and going to be alone makes it a little easier for Izzy to call. Um, and uh, I think you'll see more out of those two yet. Hopefully we're not done yet. But uh, we got her entered in Oaks. She had a little bit of an accident uh, about two and a half weeks ago. She went up a leaning tree into a big oak. And that never ends well. And uh, she ended up falling out between 35 and 40 feet or so. And uh, landed on her side and punctured along and and uh collapsed lung so she'd been laid up so actually i just broke her out i got up about uh, 12 30 or so left about one hundred to about five o'clock this morning she looked really really good so i'm hoping she's on the on the bounce back so but uh we uh got her and then eli he has a female off the hoss her name's hattie um we still hunt her um and then we actually just bought a female off of um the uh uh, hawk dog and Eli's female Hattie. Uh, this female's name is Chloe and she's a two year old. She's been in two hunts, got two cast wins. So we get past Oaks and, uh, with Lexus and, and, uh, get past zones with Lexus. I'm going to try to start in on her and see if we can get her night championed out and see what, what comes of that. So it's kind of, kind of neat to have something, you know, from across it we had made, you know, a couple of years ago back here again with, with our blood mixed in. So, um, but yeah, just still plug along and Eli raced a litter of pups off of uh, Hattie, um, bred her to a male I had that was off of Ringo semen and a hoss female. So he's got a really nice female pup out there. He named Daisy. So we're hoping, uh, she'll turn into a winner for us. Yeah, well, we definitely, you know, by the time this comes out, Oaks will be in the books. Uh, this will come out the following Thursday after, so we definitely wish you all the best of luck with uh, thank you with her there at the Oats, and, and hopefully she performs performs well for you all there. Um, man, it, the, your kids are, are really seems to be involved in this program with you, and how important is that looking into the future, um, you know, maybe – you know, a little bit more water passes under the bridge for people like you and me and to know that they're involved and, and not just involved by, you know, Hey, do you want to go hunting tonight? But I mean, they're involved in buying dogs. They're involved in, in making decisions on breeding and stuff like that. Is that just part of the, the, the training that you're giving them or is that just, they just want to be that involved? Uh, both. Um, they both like to go, you know, busiest, super super busy right now you know not only with softball i think she was in like three leagues of softball this past summer with travel ball and and um house ball and now fall balls you know going on and then 
volleyball, you know, it's practice every night or games every night. Um, and then, you know, still trying to, still trying to hunt some, you know, Eli with it getting dark so late right now, his, he's a little bit on the back burner, but on the weekends, you know, he still, still goes, but you know, I'm not, I'm not just going to buy my dog and hand it over to him. You know, I don't think that's, you know, I think they need to put a little bit into it, you know, if, you know, money wise and, and, uh, you know, kind of teach them responsibility. And, 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 but as far as making the crosses, um, you know, when Izzy bred, uh, her Lucy female to Ringo semen, you know, I gave her a list and of everything that I had that was pro she wanted, she wanted to make a, a semen cross. So I gave her a list of everything, you know, what I had pros and, you know, she went through and asked me about them, you know, I don't know. It was probably a week or so. She come back and she had old Ringo. That's who she wanted to breed her to. So, um, Honestly, it really rock was about the only one that come out of that. Uh, just, just wasn't one that really, really worked. But rock was a coon. I mean, he's a coon dog. I mean, he's, he's, he's fun. But, uh, but you know, like uh, with Eli, you know, and Hattie, you know, he, he uh, took him a little bit, but he made up his mind, you know, to uh, to breed to rock. So, you know. I leave it up to them. I mean, if it's breed to an outside male or frozen or a lot, you know, it don't matter. But, uh, but you know, like Izzy, there's nights where, yeah, I know she's tired and, you know, but she's getting to the point now where, you know, we live off the road quite a ways and, and there's, you know, woods around us, you know, she'll go out, grab Lexus and go back her and tree a couple coon. And, and, uh, when school's not in, you know, Eli will go along with her. Some nights he don't. So, um, I think all of us need to do more with the youth. Um, there's not very many that I don't feel that um, of these youth that want to do this or even know anything about it. Um, there's still clubs that, that do very well. You know, I like to see them on Facebook and different places that um, have the youth hunts and, and the bigger youth hunts and, and, uh, if, if they don't do it, you know, if the youth ain't going to come up and do it, it's going to age out, you know, and, and die off. And uh, we're already losing hunting ground, you know, so fast that ain't funny. And and uh, we just got to keep, keep them involved. Yeah, I, I agree. And my hat's off to you there because you're, you're, you're not only teaching them about hunting and breeding, but, you know, life lessons too. everything don't don't always work out and some things work out great you just got to make a decision and stick by it so um yeah i i agree with you we 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 definitely got to get the youth and youth involved and they are the future of the the sport and you know there are pockets like you said of of different places that do real well with it but you know there's some other places that you know we could do a better job at it for sure and get out there and help get kids involved uh no doubt yeah and the other thing is, you know, it's, I renew my permission every year, you know, for these places I hunt. I've, I've got a lot of places, but I make my kids go with me, uh, most of the time, uh, not only to re, you know, build like a relationship with them landowners. Cause now when I pull in, you know, it's like, man, you're really growing, you know, to both of them, you know, cause every year they're with me and every year, you know, they just, they know them now by name when we pull in and if something would happen to me, 
get killed in a car wreck, you know, whatever, you never know. These people will know them where somebody could haul them hunting or haul them back to renew that permission. They would still have places to go to hunt, you know, when they wanted to. So, uh, you know, I've always, I've always done that. So I've always taken them along. Um, and also it's hard to say no to a kid to go <laughs> to give them permission to hunt. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I agree. It is. That's, that's for sure. And you know, that's, that's something as coon hunters, I don't think none of us have enough money to own enough land to, to, to be mm-hmm. able to hunt our own place. So it, it's important to protect those relationships and having your kids involved with those relationships is just a, another blanket of, of protection, I, I believe, uh, you know, just to protect that uh, landowner and hunter hunter relationship out there. Yep, yep, and take care of the property and, and treat it like it's yours. And, and uh, you know, I always tell them, if it's dry, I might drive back. If it's wet, we're not driving. So, you know, it's, as you ruin it, you ain't going to get back in there. Yeah, well... I keep stealing this from Clay Newcomb. He has a saying, uh, guard the gate, but I'm I'm, I'm going to eventually say Clay Newcomb, come, quit saying Clay Newcomb come up with it, and I'm going to just start saying I said guard the gate, but I, I, I'm going give, to give him credit for it, but he, he, he has a saying, guard the gate, and I, I don't think there's anything more truer as hound hunters, whether we're hunting coon or bear or cats or whatever it is that, that we're out there running with, with a dog, uh, it is very important that we do guard that gate and keep those mm-hmm. relationships open. And, you know, I, I always try to say, you leave it better than I found it. You know, if I go in there and there there's, you go. there's a piece of trash laying on some of my, my permission properties ground. And even though I didn't put it there, I'll pick it up and put it in a truck or throw it in the bed of the truck or whatever. Cause I, I don't want for one minute them to think, oh, he got out of the truck and that trash fell out. I don't want him in here. So I, I just, I want to do my, yeah. my part to, to make sure that I'm protecting that relationship too. I agree. Yep. 100%. Well, Mr. Seth, we have fixing to click over one hour. I, I know it's hard to believe, but, and, and we have been through a, a ton of dogs and I appreciate you taking time. Uh, before we close it out, do you have anything that you wanted to, to add uh, here? Anybody you'd like to thank or, or anything that we missed that you wanted to add in there? Man, there's, you know, there's so many, so many people that, you know, like we talked before, if, if it would have been for them, you know, joining in with all this, you know, and, and buying a pup or, you know, calling when, you know, if they had different lines or, you know, and just going to the hunts with them and winning or coming here and going hunting or, you know, just, calling i mean there's still you know i get calls every day but you know guys just that i wouldn't have ever known you know if it wasn't for this line of dogs and uh and you know you was telling me um to think of you know of a story to, to add there at the end and uh you know it's well you know a couple people think you know my uncle jeff he you know used to haul me everywhere you know to these hunts and and he'd come home from work on a second shift, you know, and I'd be there crashed out, you know, on the couch and he'd wake me up. We'd hunt till daylight every night in the summer. Uh, my dad, all these years, you know, when I was young, he <laughs> could easily just not took me, you know, or, or any of my brothers just did his own thing and, and, uh, went on. So, you know, and, but my grandpa got 
my all my uncles into coon hunting and you know fox hunting and everything and and got my dad um which had been my mom's dad into you know, he's the one that got my dad into into coon hunting and uh so uh you know if it wouldn't have been for my grandpa probably this probably would never been possible you know i wouldn't know the people i've got that i've gotten to know today um who knows my kids may not even know what a coonhound was or is um we had a couple back up a little bit we had a couple uh kids on eli's uh all-star team uh this year we was at the last game and we stood there and talked afterwards and and this coach uh and Eli, they just hit it off really well. I mean, they were just good buds. And I said, hey, one night, would you want to bring the boys over and let me, me and Eli take them, take them out and tree a couple coons? And uh, he's like, man, I, they would love it. I'm like, well, you're welcome to go along. He says, well, I'll take you up on that. Well, for about two weeks there, it didn't work out last Friday. I got, forgot about it last Friday. Phone beeps, and it was him. I said, hey, we still on for tonight? And I said, Absolutely. So these kids have never done anything outside. I mean, you know, back talking about the youth, they have no idea. They didn't have any clue. Um, so they showed up and had the little bands on the other head, little LED lights and boots on. And so it didn't start out very good. It just couldn't work moving and, and uh, we just didn't do much. Well, finally, just, you know, certain time of the night, you know, he said, we're going to be there at 10, but we're going to have to leave at midnight. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think it was about midnight. We finally started treeing some coon, and uh, I don't remember how many we ended up treeing, three or four, but uh, the kids had a blast, and I think they pulled out of my driveway about 10 after 2, and uh, so they had they had a lot of fun, and uh, they want to go again. So, you know, just another thing right there, you know, go back to, you know, my dad, my Uncle Jeff, and my grandpa. That's still trickling down after all these years. Um still taking people hunting that if my grandpa wouldn't have got my dad started into it, I would never be able to take them or, or even take my kids. Um, so every year, uh, sometime in November, I have a memorial hunt during coon season, uh, for my grandpa. And I'm thinking this year will be like year 18, I think. And, uh, uh, some of the old timers that used to uh, ride along with grandpa and all that, you know, they come here. Um, and then of course my dad and then a lot of my friends that didn't know my grandpa, but you know, they know me coon hunting and everything. So, I mean, this barn, I've got it sectioned off, got a heated part and all that. So we have a big buffet food, of, a big buffet line of food and, and uh, tables all set up and, so they get here four or five o'clock and then we all get ready about seven o'clock. We break up into teams and, uh, you know, there might be six, seven, eight teams and, uh, we break up and it's always, uh, uh, whoever comes back, you know, with the biggest and the smallest is in the finals. And then, got a piece of paper, you know, folded up, put it in a thing and they draw out. Somebody draws out. So if they draw out the smallest coon, that's who wins that year. So, uh, I'm not sure what year it was, but me and Izzy had been hunting and, uh, her dog tree and we walked in there and saw a little sapling and I see something white in that tree. And I thought, Oh boy. 
And he says, oh, that's a cat. And uh, I look and I said, heck, that's an albino coon. Here it was a just a kitten, you know, small. And uh, so we, you know, I got video of it and stuff and we left it. I said, well, you know, maybe I'll get him this season. And man, I hunted that section to death. Never did dream again. And uh, so we was on this, fast forward a little bit. We was on this uh, memorial hunt for my grandpa during season, and there was four or five of us, you know, in my group. And uh, man, we was just training. I mean, we was training a lot of coon, and uh, that's one of them nights. Whatever you tree, you know, you take to try to win it. And uh, turn loose in this little woods right along the road, and I had Susie, and she just goes down her little ways and strikes and just smokes this track till it's treed. So we drive down the road. She's about 50 yards off the road walking there to her. And uh, I look up, and there sits that albino coon. So she has this albino coon tree on the night of my grandpa's memorial hunt. What's the odds of that? Wow. And to this day, you know, that was for a reason. You know, I went, man, I'd hate so many times I hit that section over. I mean, that was two or three years there. Just trying to tree that coon. And there she's got it treed 50 yards off the road. She actually had a double. One was a regular, one was albino. And it was Izzy's turn to shoot. We take turns, you know, and it was Izzy's turn to shoot. And I says, I'll tell you. <laughs> I said, uh, if you lodge that coon, I said, you're in a bad way. I'm just giving you fair warning. So I put the pressure on her, and uh, she peeled him out. And, uh, you know, we just couldn't wait for the deadline, you know, to get back to take that coon in. So we went on. I think we killed like 10 or 12 coon that night. I mean, it was just one of them where it was just every drop. And uh, so we got all done. We'd come back. I said, what we're going to do is we'll let everybody weigh all their coon in. And then I'll say, you know, hey, we've got one more to weigh in. And uh, they'll all think it's a great big coon. So we got all done. And I said, oh, wait, I think we've got one more. Where everybody, you know, kind of hollered around that, you know, yeah, you must have a great big one. I told Izzy, I said, you be standing at that door holding that albino coon. So I went over and opened the door, and there she stood with that white coon. And, uh, man, that place, everybody just went wild. You know, they just, they just couldn't believe it. So that that's one of many, many, you know, great memories. But that one there is just always stuck with me. You know, it's kind of a way of, you know, just – you know, grapple's still around, so it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's that that's definitely definitely pretty cool, and what a great story! And to 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 share that moment with with your kid, you know, to to treat that albino coon and be able to to shoot it out. I mean, that's that's uh, that's just great. I, I surely I hope you got it mounted. I did, I did. Yeah, he looks awesome. Yep. Yeah, ugly, I, but he's neat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually, um, I, I've done that one time in my life. I was probably about, I don't know, fifteen or sixteen, and I'm from Southeast Alabama originally. And we um, dog went in there and treed, and um, there was albino coon in the tree, and I shot the coon out, and brought it home. We had a freezer uh, there at the house, and we put it in. And a hurricane come through and knocked the power out, and I lost oh, it. Oh so, no! Yeah, and I have been on the hunt ever since, and never seen another one. Mm-hmm. So, yep, yep. Well, Mr. Seth, if you don't have anything else to add, we've been at it just over an hour, and I do appreciate you taking your time to be on the podcast. And 
uh, I think we we to a point we can shut it down. What a great story to end it on, and and I think we hit some some great topics in there. Hey, I really appreciate you reaching out to me, and uh, appreciate you doing these podcasts. It's a good way to get the word out, you know, and and you never know, even if it's only getting a handful of people interested, you know, it's it's uh, more you know, maybe a handful more than what wouldn't have been. Um, you do a great job, and I appreciate it. Well, I truly appreciate that, and that's that's what we want to do here. We want to preserve the sport and promote the sport uh, of coon hunting. I think it's a, a great heritage in, in our country and a great heritage that we can do do with as a family and with our kids. So I do, do appreciate it, and I do appreciate you taking the time to be on here today. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Thanks, guys, for listening to the Coonhound Collective podcast today. We really appreciate you taking your time out of your day to listen to the podcast. If you don't mind, head over to Facebook and give us a like, and head over to Instagram and give us a follow. It's both at the Coonhound Collective. Also, if you would like to reach us here at the Coonhound Collective, you can reach us at the Coonhound Collective at gmail.com. If there's someone that you would like to hear on the podcast or a product that you would like to hear talked about, please send it to the Coonhound Collective at gmail.com. Thanks again. Have a great day.